0: So let's read as our scripture text for this morning. First we'll read John chapter 10. So we'll begin with John 10, verse 17 to 18. So you'll find John 10, verse 17 on page 1,235. 7 to 18 verses 7 to 18 then jesus said to them again most assuredly i say to you i am the door of the sheep all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and i will go in and out and find pasture The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. And then I'll also read verses one to six as well. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up the, uh, some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the the things that he spoke to them. So now we'll turn back to Psalm 23, and Psalm 23 will be our focus for today. So if you turn with me to Psalm 23, you'll find that on page 631. Psalm 630, sorry, page 631. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray and ask God to open our eyes to the meaning of this text. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us your word to reveal yourself to us, and we pray that you would open up our eyes to see your glory in Psalm 23, and we pray also that you would help us to grow in our understanding of the gospel. We pray that as the gospel seed is planted within our hearts, that it would produce much fruit for your glory, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Congregation loved by Jesus Christ. In this psalm, you are introduced to the full sufficiency that we find in Christ as we walk or as we journey along the paths of righteousness. If you look back at Psalm 1, which, we, which begins the book of Psalms, there in Psalm 1 you will see that the Bible sets out two paths, for life. The first is the path of righteousness, and then the other is the path of the wicked or the ungodly. And so in Psalm 23, the psalmist has already rejected the path of wickedness, and he looks to his shepherd who leads him in the path of righteousness, in the path of God's Word. In Psalm 23, we learn a lot about what it means to trust in the Lord as we journey through the Christian life and as we walk and talk with the Lord. This psalm is a very well-loved psalm. Many people uh, choose this psalm as their favorite psalm because it captures the beauty of the Christian life and the nature of our relationship with God as we live our lives. And so in this psalm, we see the intimacy of knowing our shepherd. We see that the psalmist address God as Yahweh. And Yahweh is the Hebrew word that addresses God as the one in whom we live in covenant relationship with. And so there is a closeness to God. But there is also a tenacity in this psalm. The psalmist turns exclusively to the true and living God of the Bible, To find true comfort in this life. And the real test of this um, tenacity is, as we will see in this psalm, it comes out in times of trial and in times of hardship and difficulty. And so the question is, and this psalm expresses this, the question is, where do you turn for comfort in those times of hardship and difficulty? You will find various forms of comfort in this world, a sort of comfort. But those comforts will prove to be hollow and empty apart from truly knowing God. And so the true child of God flees to him in times of hardship, as we see here in this psalm, as the psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd. So there's a sense of intimacy in this psalm, there's a sense of tenacity a determination to know God more and more, but there's also a sense of full sufficiency in God in this psalm, especially in the opening words, I shall not want, which also can mean I lack nothing. Because I have the Lord as my shepherd, because I know Christ, I lack nothing in this life. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The deep comfort of the Christian life means that under my shepherd's care, I lack nothing. I shall not want. I shall not be in need. And so first of all, in verses 2 to 3, we look at the daily providence of God. So providence is his all-providing care by which he takes care of each one of us. So let's read verses 2 and 3. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So what we find in this psalm is the root of Christian contentment. And you find that contentment throughout the entire Bible. So for example, if you look at the writings of the Apostle Paul, I think... um, You just went through the book of Philippians here. And the Apostle Paul at the very end of the book of Philippians says that he has learned in all situations, whether in times of trial, hardship, blessing, plenty, fullness, in times also of absence, of many good things, in all those times he has learned to be content. And we find this contentment throughout the Psalms. So, for example... We find in Psalm 34, verse 10, we hear these words, The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Jesus also promises us this contentment of soul when we look to him in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember, this is the path of righteousness. Look at the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ And all these things will be added to you. We may have difficulty in this world, but if we have Christ, then we have that contentment of soul. And so where do we look? And the psalmist directs us to exactly where we should look for that contentment of soul. And he begins the entire psalm with these words. He begins with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And it is because the Lord is my shepherd that I shall not want. A shepherd is someone who takes care of sheep. He's a type of farmer. And in the old days, this was a job that involved spending time for days and even weeks out in the wilderness, taking care of sheep and guarding them from predators, guarding them from harm. So it's King David who's writing the psalm. And King David himself in his younger days, was a shepherd. He was a farmer. But now, King David, he no longer speaks of being a shepherd himself, even though he was often referred to as shepherd, as, even as king of Israel. But now he places himself in the role of his sheep. And so, it is like the farmer saying, the Lord is my farmer. Or the pastor saying, the Lord is my pastor. The Lord takes care of me in this journey through life. When I stray, when I go in the wrong direction, when I head towards the cliffs of sin, he strikes me with his rod, and he also leads me in the paths of righteousness with his staff. And he has both that rod and that staff to guide me in the right way because of his love, because he loves his sheep, as we very clearly see in the words of John chapter 10, which we read earlier. There are many ways in which this psalm speaks about the providing care of God. In verses 2 to 3, we hear that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Literally, that means that he makes me to stretch out or recline in a position of rest. Again, the psalm says, He leads me beside still waters. The roar of waters is a sign of difficulty, but still waters are a place of peace. You might think of an oasis in the wilderness, or a green patch by a stream in an arid region. This is where Jesus Christ brings his sheep to feed upon the word of God. So, we have this imagery here in this passage of green pastures and still waters, but what is that a picture of? If you remember, the Lord God created the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the worlds, and sin damaged the peace and the purity of that garden. But when the Lord shepherds his people, he comes into this world that is so full of sin and misery and trouble and turmoil, and he leads us to feed on the green pastures of his word, feeding upon the word of God so that we can know the truth and come to a knowledge of the truth in this world. The streams of living water is the new life that his spirit brings into a dry and arid world. Often, water is compared to the movement of the spirit as the spirit goes out into this sinful world, bringing new life by the word of God. And so the church... Is this new garden of Eden planted in this world? And Christians are the flock of Jesus Christ. The church is the flock of Jesus Christ. And so, who is the shepherd then? Or who is the chief shepherd? In John 10, verse 14 to 15, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, also pointing back to the words of Psalm 23, Um, telling his people that those words of Psalm 23 that they read in the Old Testament ultimately speak of him. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He's the good shepherd because he dies so that his sheep can have life. It is this sacrifice... By which he restores our souls in this world of sin and misery. So notice that the psalm in verse 3 says, He restores my soul. This means that he brings it back from heading to death. We are all spiritually dead in and of ourselves, we are all headed towards the cliffs of death. Like a sheep, you are heading towards the cliffs of sin. And the Lord comes and he graciously turns you around and puts you away from the paths of wickedness onto the paths of righteousness. And he does that for his name's sake because his reputation as the good shepherd is at stake in how he cares for his sheep. And he is the good shepherd and he restores us by laying down his life, by dying for our sins. We need a caring shepherd to keep us in the paths of righteousness, don't we? Because we easily stray, we trip and we fall, we fall into sin. And King David writes a self-reflective question also in Psalm 119. Um, He may have written this as a young man, he may have written this as an older man. But he says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? And you could apply that to a young woman as well, or an older woman. It seems impossible. Like sheep, we slip up along the way. We head toward the cliffs of sin, and we head towards that plunge to our death. But Jesus is the good shepherd. He restores our souls by laying down his life for the forgiveness of our sins. The good news is that he also sets us in paths of righteousness. He does not leave us on the cliffs, but he takes us and moves us over to the paths of godliness. So when David asks that question, how does a young man keep his way pure? The answer in scripture, as it is in Psalm 119, is clear. By feeding in the green pastures of the word of God, by coming to know the word of God, by turning to God in prayer in our time of need, by lifting our eyes to the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ, who delivers his sheep from death and gives us strength and courage in time of struggle. Which, of course, leads us to verse 4, and the close presence of Jesus Christ in time of trouble. So the care of God leads the psalmist to lift up his head and to look confidently to the Lord, even in the presence of great trouble as we find here in verse 4. And so he continues with these words of confidence. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Death can be a terrifying thing. And I remember as a child being afraid of death at times. You might have a brush with death here and there. We are often called to walk alongside those who have lost a loved one and to show care to them. Many of us have lost loved ones ourselves, and those can be trying and difficult times. And that is because death is still the last enemy, and death is still a terrifying enemy. And the valley of the shadow of death is a dark one, and the fear that sometimes enters into our hearts as we're walking through that valley of the shadow of death, either ourselves or with someone else, can be so much darker. And yet, the psalmist sees light in that valley of the shadow of death. The promise of the psalmist is that the Lord is with you in the valley when death casts its long shadows over your soul. The reality of this promise is shown as Christians throughout the Christian life grow in their fearlessness in the face of death. In fact, as the psalmist promise, promises here, there is no fear. There's no fear of death, but there's also no fear of any evil, because we might be afraid of death, but there are a huge variety of evil things in this world that might cause us to tremble and fear. And why is that? He says that this is because the Lord is with me. He is with me along that path. He is leading me with his rod and his staff. And so I can look confidently forward to my shepherd in those times of trouble when the wolves surround the sheep. And that is the key confession in this psalm. The Lord is with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell with the Lord all the days of my life, for he is with me. Maybe you have wondered, I have wondered, why so many Christians are fearless and even joyful in the face of death. Even more so, why do persecuted Christians around the world and throughout history sometimes seem to go so willingly like sheep to the slaughter and still be joyful and bold in their testimony to the truth that Jesus is the Christ. All it would take is a compromise to sometimes spare themselves. But Christians, so many Christians, will even die for the truth. Why is this? Why is this? Well, it is because our shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. But when the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, he did not remain in the grave. He defeated death. He arose from the grave. And so death, because we know that after we die, we'll go to be be with Christ in heaven. And we know about the promise of the future resurrection of the dead. Because Christ defeated death, it is like a poisonous snake that has lost its venom. It's like a wasp that has lost its stinger. For the true believer in Christ, death is no longer a punishment for sin, but rather it is the way into eternal life with God forever. And so when we pass through that valley of the shadow of death, there is no fear because Christ is with me. And that is a great comfort to the Christian that we do not have to fear death. Even if we sometimes struggle with that fear, we do not have to fear it. But what exactly is this Christian comfort? We should understand a little bit more what comfort is. So, biblical comfort is not necessarily sitting in a lazy boy chair with a fireplace and a cup of tea, it's not a comfortable life necessarily. When we tend to associate comfort with ease or living a comfortable life, it's easy to miss out on the biblical meaning of comfort that we see here. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That does not mean that it leads to a comfortable life. In the Bible, the comfort of knowing Christ is often experienced most deeply in the valley when death and evil bear their fangs. In the valley of the shadow of death, we receive that comfort. And so often you'll find that Christians will speak of the most difficult times of life being a time when they most grew in their knowledge of the gospel and their knowledge of Jesus Christ and um, were brought closer to that understanding that Christ is their shepherd. We receive courage from Christ knowing that he has removed the venom from the bite of the cobra. And so we do not fear when that cobra of evil or death comes forward. Instead, we find comfort in the rod and staff of Christ, which discipline us and lead us as we follow him in the paths of righteousness. The shepherd in the old days would have given the sheep a short and loving whack with the rod when they were ready to stumble into a pit or ready to head to their death over a cliff. And they would give that whack because if they didn't do that, then the sheep would not turn around but keep on going forward to its death. The staff was a source of stability as it led them through the wilderness. And we find comfort in the loving discipline, but also the guidance of Christ. When we experience his rod and staff in our lives, we are reminded again that he is our shepherd, that he is with us, that he is there with us every step of the way. And so we do not have to fear. We have everything that we need to travel along in the paths of righteousness, for he is with me. And so we also look at verse 5 and his ongoing provision as we walk through life. King David knew what it meant to be surrounded by enemies. And to face the fears that came from finding himself in such a position, you can read first and um, probably more Second Samuel and First Kings to read some of those stories where David is fighting with so many enemies. But where did he look? He looked to his shepherd and to his companion in the valley, and he trusted that this shepherd would also lay a feast for him, not only in the valley of the shadow of death, but also in the presence of his enemies as they amassed around him, ready to destroy him. In the valley of the shadow of death, David confessed his full sufficiency in the Lord. And even in the presence of his enemies, David could confess, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So much fear. Fear there's a lot of fear, especially for a king, as he's surrounded by enemies who are ready to kill him and destroy him. David also was on the run many times from his own son Absalom, who wanted to take over the throne and uh, remove David from being king. And yet, in all those times, he could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this is also the confession of every Christian When we trust in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. It's full. And so the Lord provides for each one of us along the way. If you think of the words of David in Psalm 27. You can read Psalm 27 verse 4. uh, Verse uh, 2 to 3. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his tabernacle. He states that even though an army were to encamp against him, yet he will not fear. Even though his enemies come against him to eat up his flesh, yet he will not be afraid. Imagine that. Your worst nightmare comes true. And this would be the worst nightmare of a military man. And you face the possibility of defeat. And yet, not only does he not fear, but the Lord goes above and beyond in Psalm 23. God also provides a victory meal for us in the presence of those whom we might be afraid of. And what exactly is that victory meal? What does that mean? This is, of course, primarily the provision of spiritual strength to get through times of difficulty. But there's a secondary application as well, and I'll get to that in a moment. The first expression of this is in the Lord's Supper which we celebrate in worship, which we celebrated last Sunday here at Hope Center. Here, Jesus Christ welcomes weary sinners who are saved by his cross and resurrection to his table. And that table is laid out here, and it's laid in the presence of our enemies, the world, the sinful flesh, and the devil, who are continually trying to take us down, and who are continually trying to accuse us. And there at that table, we eat and drink, and we remember and believe that Jesus Christ, our great shepherd, has laid down his life, and he has won the battle over sin and death and hell by rising from the dead. And so there at that table, the Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The secondary expression for this is in the Lord's daily care for his people. In the Lord's prayer, we ask him for our daily bread. Give us what we need so that we can live in this world. The Lord also gave David strength when he was fleeing from his son Absalom, but also gave him physical bread to sustain his strength along the way. And so we also look to Christ and to God for... Um, for this physical provision from day to day. The wicked so often grow wealthy, and we are tempted to look at them and grow jealous and become like them. But you are called here to look to the Lord, who is the one who provides for his weary soldiers along their way through this world. And so finally, we come to verse 6, to the place of repose. And let's read verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord and I will dwell there forever. So we began with the image of the Lord bringing us to recline in green pastures. But the aim of all of this is the worship of God to live in the house of God or in his tabernacle. As David's enemies hunt him down, as they pursue his life, as they try to bring him down into the pit. He recognizes that the Lord is so much swifter and stronger than any one of his enemies. And so the Lord pursues David. He runs after David. Even though David so many times runs away from God, even going to the uttermost parts of the sea, yet the Lord's mercy and grace keeps on finding him. Even though David falls into sin at various times in his life, Yet the goodness and mercy of the Lord continue to hunt him down and to pursue him and take him back. And he then is assured that the goodness and mercy of the Lord will pursue him until he lives in the house of the Lord forever in eternity. There is no place that we can run where the goodness and mercy of God will not find us and bring us back to Jesus Christ. We should understand a little bit more exactly what a shepherd was in the old days. In the Old Testament, the imagery of a shepherd is often associated with kingly imagery. But a shepherd in the Old Testament was also a type of warrior, and in some ways he was even more fierce than a warrior. Before King David goes to face uh, the giant Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, He remembers the days when he was a young man and he had to deliver lambs from his flock of sheep that were taken by the lion and the bear. And the lion and the bear are carrying off lambs in their mouths. And he had to strike and he had to kill that wild animal in order to deliver the lamb from death. And so since God delivered him from the lion and the bear, when Goliath taunts God's people, he will also deliver him from Goliath too. And of course, based on all those experiences of life, he recognizes his own need, no matter how powerful he was, no matter how much he had done to rescue the sheep in his father's flock, no matter how much he had done to rescue God's people, Israel, that he also had to be pursued and delivered by God himself. And that is who our shepherd Jesus Christ is. He is a warrior. He will go out and he will deliver his sheep from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, from all those who seek to harm them. And he will deliver them so that they can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He will deliver us from our mortal enemies, the world, our sinful flesh, and the devil. And He will bring us to our place of true repose or rest. So here we read about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And the house of the Lord, especially in the Old Testament, referred to the place of worship. In Psalm 23, this place of worship is called the house of the Lord. In Psalm 27, the psalmist calls it his tabernacle, which means house or tent. And the house of the Lord is when God's people come together to worship him. The Lord brings us. In that worship service, when God's people assemble together to worship him, the Lord brings us to feed on the green pastures of his word. The Lord brings us comfort in the valley of the shadow of death. Here in the worship service, the Lord provides a table for us in the presence of our enemies when we come to the Lord's Supper. And so the aim of worship... The aim of everything that God is doing in our lives is so that people will raise their voices in worship of Him. And of course in that we also have the final hope of eternity set before us. We find contentment in Him now. But we do this knowing that we do not have that yet in its fullness. And so we believe that all true believers, all true Christians will spend eternity in his house in heaven. Once we die, we will go to be with Christ in heaven, and we will live eternally with him. This psalm brings us from the valley of the shadow of death to fearless living before the face of God. This psalm brings us from the presence of our enemies to joyful feasting at the table of Christ. All too often, we are like the sheep caught in the thicket, The one sheep who has wandered off and is encircled by wolves. The sheep that won't head in the right direction as it gets darker out and as the wolves gather in the hills. But the Lord in his grace, because he is our shepherd, pursues you and me with his mercy and grace. He fights for us and he defends us. And because he is with us. This truth means that we can live without fear in this world of sin and sorrow. There are many causes for fear in our lives. At every turn, we find fear. Fear of losing friends, fear of death, fear of man, fear of evil. But under the care of our shepherd, as we'll sing in the song, In Christ Alone in a moment, there is no guilt in life, and there is not even any fear in death because the power of Christ, the shepherd, is at work in our lives. You can confess this, because while you were once lost and alone, you know with all your heart that the Lord is with you. As the psalmist confesses here, he will not forsake his sheep. He will not forsake his sheep to the point that he will even lay down his life for the sheep. And so in this comfort we begin to have the courage to live not by fear. We find this promise of the coming of Jesus Christ also in Isaiah 40, verse 11. There we have that promise of his care for us. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Under the protection, presence, and provision of our shepherd, we find true rest. We find true rest also in this worship service as well, knowing that the Lord is my shepherd. He will tend to and care for his flock, and in his care I shall not want. I shall lack nothing, because he is with me. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this word and for the gospel that we find here in Psalm 23. And we pray that as we live our lives in this world, that we would look every moment and every day of our lives to Jesus Christ, that we would seek the forgiveness of sins in him, and that we would look to him also to continue to walk along in these paths of righteousness as we seek to serve him faithfully in this world. And dear Lord, we pray that when your sheep head towards the cliff, in our own willfulness, and sometimes in our own stubbornness, that you would bring us back, that you would continue to pursue us. for We know that your mercy and your grace is great. So we ask that you would continue to pursue us with your mercy and grace so that we might live in your house forever. And dear Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.